0: visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only.
1: If you can find a mentor who's already in a position or a place where you see yourself or where you envision your business going, then that's, I think, the most valuable thing you can do is get a mentor who's already at a place that you want to be at.
2: Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best Ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know, Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going.
3: Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Theo Hicks, today's host. And today I'll be speaking with two guests. Today we have Robbie Faith and Tosh Hashino. How are you guys doing today?
4: We are doing doing great.
3: Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having
4: us. Great to be here.
3: Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Looking forward to our conversation. A little bit more about their backgrounds. So, Robbie has 11 years of experience in real estate, and Tosh has two years of experience in real estate. Robbie's current holdings consist of 66 doors that are mixed between single family, multifamily, and a mobile home park. And Tosh has 59 units under management, including one single family home. Both are from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Say hi to Robbie at Robbie Faith. that's faith and E, so F-A-I-T-H-E dot com. So do you guys mind telling us, maybe start with Robbie, a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on today?
1: Yes, absolutely. And thank you again for having us on. It's an honor to be here. So I got started in real estate, actually, when I was in college, I got my real estate license when I was finishing my undergrad degree at the University of New Mexico. This was about 2009 at the time. The market was not doing so well, and I had accumulated a couple homes, and I decided that the best thing to do at this current point in time was to sell the homes, and I decided just to, rather than hire a real estate broker to sell my homes, I just reallocated that money into my own education and, and got a real estate license. So that's kind of how I got started as a broker, and I've been selling real estate ever since. I started with a brokerage that focused on distressed sales, so I really cut my teeth on the REOs and distress sales, short sales as well, and just kind of built my business from there. Right now, as you mentioned, I've got about 66 doors that I currently own. It's a mix of uh, single family, multifamily and the mobile home park. And the focus now is starting to get more involved in some of the larger multifamily properties with the most recent acquisition being that
3: mobile home park. Thank you for that. And Tosh, what about you?
4: So for me, I think, probably like most of the people just bought a residential property to live in and met my wife and moved in with her and since day one had a tenant who's lived with me and I guess 14 years later it's uh, still have a tenant and the house is paid for and that's how I got it started and recent acquisition with the uh, mobile home park with Robbie and for me Been a commercial real estate broker for two years now. And before I joined this industry, I was in car business. And my qualifying broker recruited me after I decided that I just did not want to be in car business any longer. And it's been just eye-opening every day, just learning about the industry. And my focus is mobile home park acquisitions and dispositions. So sold three mobile home parks currently And trying to find a good deal, which is pretty tough to come by nowadays, but analyzing deals and trying to get more under our belt.
3: So how are you two involved together? Is it just that mobile home park deal? I'll answer that, Robbie, if it's cool. Yeah, go ahead, Tosh.
4: So the car business that I was telling you about, I met Robbie through that relationship. He's bought two cars from me and he was in real estate at that time. And after I decided to leave the industry and join the commercial real estate world, I read just doing research about what are good investments and mobile home parks kept coming up. And we have always kept in touch, but I mentioned about the mobile home park. And I think at that time, around the same time or right before he was really getting into it. So when this opportunity came up, we've known each other. And of course, not business-wise, but I think just understanding his character and we
3: just decided to partner up and let's jump in it. And that's how this happened. So you were interested in becoming a broker and decided to pursue the mobile home park deals. And you found this deal and presented it to Robbie and you guys both agreed to go in on it together? It's actually the other way around. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) So Robbie, why
1: don't you fill in on that part? So I've been researching mobile home parks and it's a very interesting asset class. And I did to start out by building a database, decided just to kind of go down this road and see what I can do to find an opportunity. So I built out a database of local mobile home parks. I was able to skip trace the owners and I just started cold calling. And I found this park actually was the second phone call that I made. And it took months and months of nurturing a relationship before we even got to the point where the seller was comfortable enough providing me with information. But that's pretty much how it happened. I just cold called someone on my database that I built out and just asked her simply if she was interested in selling. The answer was yes. And we immediately scheduled a coffee meeting and built rapport and eventually got it under contract. And after I was under contract, I was really interested in bringing on someone who may have a little bit more experience in this Realm than I did so Tosh was already more versed in mobile home parks than I had been at the time so we decided to partner up on it
3: you said it took you a long time to nurture that relationship so do you mind explaining maybe let's say from the first phone call so what, what you said in the call and then what steps were taken with that individual until you eventually got the deal under contract
1: Absolutely. So it was just a very casual conversation. I simply called the seller up and she happened to answer and I just told her who I was. And and I asked her if she was interested in selling that park. And the answer was, well, maybe. So the conversation was just very casual. I just was trying not to be too intrusive and ask too many personal questions. Just kept it very casual and decided that the best thing to do would just to get the the seller more comfortable with me. So I decided just to see if we could schedule a coffee meeting. We met at Starbucks and probably took about five or six different meetings for her to get comfortable enough to disclose some of the financials on the park. And it was definitely a process. We were in escrow, I think for about 10 months after we got it under contract because this is a Typical mom and pop operator, very sweet lady we still keep in touch post-closing, but she didn't have the best record. So it was a little tricky to obtain all the necessary information that we needed to make an educated decision. And eventually we
3: got there, but that's kind of how the conversation started. One follow-up question on the actual back and forth. you said you had that initial coffee meeting and you guys met five or six more times. Was it just quick coffee meeting, just catching up on life things? Was it just talking about the property itself? you mentioned it took a while to actually get numbers on the property. I'm just curious what you guys talked about <laughs> all those times.
1: Yeah, she was pretty good about just giving me some general information. I had a bunch of questions about the property. So it was a lot of discussing how the property was being operated, who was managing it, her involvement, what her goal was in the case that she would wanted to sell it, just so I can get an understanding for what the motivation was. Then a lot of the report building was just kind of talking about where she came from, her family, a little bit about myself and my family. So by the time we were in the second, third, fourth meeting, we established a a pretty good friendship and that really helped enable us to get the terms that we were looking for. We were able to get some wonderful seller financing terms. And that was partially because during those conversations, I was able to find out what her motivation was and she was at the point where she was looking to divest and she didn't want to be involved anymore in the operational aspect of the park. And she was just interested in receiving monthly income. So it worked out perfect. That was a great segue for owner financing. And she was educated on it enough to feel comfortable pursuing that. So that's how we were able to get those terms.
3: Thanks for sharing that. I think this would be very helpful because a lot of people talk about you need to cold call people and build a rapport, but not many people get into the specifics, so you went into a lot of specifics there. So thanks for sharing that. So, you also mentioned that you were in escrow for 10 months after getting the property under contract because it sounded like you it was you difficult getting all the information you needed to fully underwrite the deal. So, either one of you could answer this. Do you mind telling us overall what types of things people need in order to fully underwrite a mobile home park? And then maybe you could also talk to us if this is true about how to make assumptions when all the data isn't there because it sounds like a lot of these are owned by mom and pops who aren't using the fancy property management software that they track every single line item so two questions are what do i need to underwrite and then how do i get all the information if it's not readily available from the owners
4: as far as the what do you need to underwrite it so rent roll is definitely important And just checking that along with the rent roll, with the bank statement, make sure that the income is coming in and just the operating expenses. What is the seller paying and what are the tenants paying and what are the maintenance and repairs and any CapEx items that has been done in the last few years? Let's say if some of those items are missing, then it's not a rule of thumb, but if it's tenant owned homes, then you would typically use thirty to forty percent. Forty percent being that if the water and sewer is not charged back. And if it is, then you use typically thirty percent. So that's some of the things that we use, but both of us actually underwrote it and just kind of compare notes and make sure that we were on the same stance as far as the financial.
1: Yeah. He's talking about expense ratios when he's saying thirty to forty percent.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's a, that's sorry, not bigger. That. No, that's okay. So rent roll, pair the bank statement. So is that something you can get before you put the deal in a contract, or is that after? I think it's on a case by case
1: basis, depending on how the park is or the property is being operated. In this particular instance, she had an idea what the general numbers were and this was just purely off of conversation when we were talking. So she was able to eventually share some of the financial information about what monthly gross scheduled income is. And sometimes that's just what sellers are willing to share with you. But in this particular case, we were able to get some supporting documents after contract. It does sound a little backwards, but before we went into contract, I made sure just to have a conversation with the seller that I understand you're not wanting to share ton of financial information for me at this point. I'm okay going ahead and and putting together an offer for you based off of the numbers that you're representing in the case that there's some inaccuracy here. I just need you to understand that we're gonna need to adjust the price again. And that's actually what happened. Initially we went under contract and it was based off of a monthly figure that she had gave us that was not accurate. And after we went under contract and we obtained rent rolls, tax returns, It turned out that she didn't intentionally misrepresent the property, but she was factoring in some of the utility billbacks into the gross scheduled rents. So after incurring the utility costs, she wasn't actually collecting that monthly amount. So we were able to actually negotiate $100,000 off immediately before we even really began physical due diligence on the property.
3: That was my follow-up question, which is what types of contingencies you put in place or conversations you have before putting the deal under contract. We don't have everything, but you mentioned what to do there. So thanks for sharing that as well. Alrighty, for the money question, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Let's start with Tosh. I would definitely say that listen to podcast,
4: always educate yourself. That's invaluable amount of information out there. So that's the advice that I would give to anyone.
3: And Robbie.
1: That's a really good question. I think that my perspective on that is find out where you want to be and find somebody who's just crushing it in that area. And if you can find a mentor who's already in a position or a place where you see yourself or where you envision your business going, then that's, I think, the most valuable thing you can do is get a mentor who's already at a place that you want
3: to be at. All right, perfect. You guys ready for the best ever lightning round? Yep. Yes. Okay, first a quick word from our sponsor.
2: Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Ready to enter the minds of successful entrepreneurs and millionaires? Are you ready to excel in your entrepreneurial and investing journey? The new podcast, Before the Millions, studies phenomenal entrepreneurs and their path to millions. Journey through exclusive interviews, giving you all the secrets to mimic their successes. Listen and subscribe to Before the Millions podcast at beforethemillions.com. That's beforethemillions.com.
3: Okay. So lightning round, both of you guys can answer these questions, whatever order you want. So first one is what is the best ever book you've recently read? For me, it's the
4: everything store about Amazon and Jeff Bezos and just his vision about being customer oriented, looking for the future and just not letting anyone getting in the way of his vision.
1: Yeah, that's a great one. For me, it's Pitch Anything by Oren Klaff. This is a fascinating book, kind of links science and psychology into sales. And there's a lot of value there, I think, for folks who are in sales and just people in
3: general. If your business were to collapse today, what would you do next?
1: Tosh, you want to get that?
3: <laughs> <laughs> that is a good question. What would I do?
4: I don't know. I can I never thought about went.
1: that. <laughs> I'll let you answer that, Robbie. Yeah, no problem. So I think that having done a decent amount of deals, I really learned and discovered that you don't necessarily have to have the money to be able to put together a good deal. You have to find the opportunity. So I would just continue to do what we're doing, deal sourcing. I think that's kind of the top of the food chain. Once you can secure a deal, the money always tends to flow. So if I had to start over, I would just focus 100% on just finding opportunities and and bringing the people together to be able to make that come to fruition.
3: What is the best ever way you like to give back?
4: I would say that just be available to anyone who reaches out to you and just give advice as much as you can that you're competent of. And that definitely will come back to you to help you as well down the road.
1: Best ever way I like to give back is I do some casual coaching, one-on-one coaching on the side. I've been able to create financial independence for myself. And I'm super passionate about how real estate has enabled me to create that lifestyle. And I love to educate others on how real estate investing can do the same for them.
3: And then lastly, what is the best ever place to reach you? Best ever place to reach me, I'll go ahead and give
1: out my email. It's ABQ. R-O-B-B-I-E-S as in Sam, E-L-L-S as in Sam, A-B-Q, at gmail.com.
4: And for Toge, it would be T, my last
3: name, H-O-S-H-I-N-O, at gmail.com. All right, thank you guys for sharing your personal email addresses. Hopefully a lot of best-ever listeners take advantage of that, reach out and ask some questions about mobile home parks and other things you guys are experts in. Just to summarize what we talked about today, we talked about how you guys both got started in investing and how you guys met, interestingly, at a car lot where Robbie bought a few cars from Tosh. And then for the mobile home park that you guys worked on together, Robbie decided to do mobile home parks. Started building a database to find opportunity. It was skip trace to find the owner. Started cold calling and found a mobile home park on the second call. You talked about how. You initially met this person for coffee and it took multiple months to nurture the relationship. And we talked specifically about what you did. We called them, had a casual conversation, asking if she was interested in selling. She said, maybe. It's met for coffee, had about five or six different interactions after that. To talk about how the property operated, who managed it, what her goals were. Talk about her family, where she came from, your family. Just to build a personal relationship and also get information about the deal. Eventually, she began disclosing financial information. You guys put the property under contract. And some something that you mentioned is that usually you're not going to have all the information that you need to under the deal, the rent roll, the bank statements, the operating expenses, the CapEx. So you make assumptions based off of what you were told and then based off of that 30% or 40% expense ratio rule. And then let them know that you're basing this off of what you're saying. If it turns out to not be true, we're going to have to adjust the price. You mentioned that you were able to adjust the price by $100,000 right off the bat because of some misinformation. Not purposefully, but just you misrepresented something on accident. You mentioned that the property is in escrow for 10 months. As you ended up buying it, So we talked a lot about that deal. And then we also talked about your best ever advice for Tosh, she was to listen to podcasts and always educate yourself, which if you're listening right now, you are on the path towards doing. And then Robbie's best ever advice was to find out where you want to be, find someone who's there already, and attempt to bring them on as a mentor. So Robbie and Tosh, really appreciate you guys coming on the show and sharing your story today about the mobile home park. Best ever listeners, as always, thanks for tuning in. Have a best ever day, and we will talk to you tomorrow.